Hello, and welcome to episode three of Around the Jewish World with Tom Price. This week, we're going to be visiting Sarajevo, which is the capital of Bosnia-Herzegovina. Once again, as with most countries in the Balkans, uh, it's hard for many Americans to place this on a mental map, although what we call Bosnia for short, and is really Bosnia i Herzegovina, was in the news a lot during the 1990s because it was the scene of some of the worst fighting in the second half of the 20th century on European soil. Bosnia Herzegovina is made up of a very complicated population of which the various components have shifted over time. But for many centuries, it was essentially four different ethnic groups. Jewish refugees from Spain who arrived right around 1500, Muslims who arrived with the Ottoman Turks when they conquered the country in the 15th century, Catholics who were there since the time it was a Roman province, and Orthodox Christians who arrived with other Slavs in the 7th century. Let me try to place this for you geographically, and it's relatively easy to do that in terms of the last country we talked about, which was Montenegro. So if you recall... In that episode, I mentioned that if you go out of the Dubrovnik airport and you turn right, in about 20 minutes, you're in the center of Dubrovnik. If you turn left, you're on the border of Montenegro in even less time. Well, if you do turn right and drive beyond Dubrovnik, you come eventually to a tiny piece of coastline that belongs to Bosnia, so that Bosnia could avoid being a completely landlocked country. It's got a port, it's got a little bit of access to the Adriatic coast, and otherwise it is a landlocked, largely mountainous country in the center of what used to be Yugoslavia. Now, if we look at the ancient history of what is now Bosnia-Herzegovina, we find a very specific culture that was centered around Sarajevo, but disappeared for mysterious reasons in roughly 2400 before the Common Era. That culture was called the Butmir culture. They had a lot of great ceramics and pottery and lots of ruins have been found, but they apparently were ousted by the Illyrians, who were the tribe of people living all up and down the Adriatic coast when the Roman Empire first conquered that area. Sarajevo was not actually part of Rome until the year 9 of the Common Era, and it was part of the Roman province of Dalmatia, along with many of the places we talked about last time, places like Dubrovnik, Kotor, Budva, etc., etc., There was a major Roman road that led from these wealthy coastal towns up through the Miljotska River Valley, through the center of Sarajevo, and then up to Pannonia, which is the flat plain formed by the Danube River Valley, sort of between Romania, Hungary, northern Serbia, that special region we referred to last time called the Vojvodina, 
So this was one of many Roman roads, and the way the Romans held their empire together was by building good roads and moving troops quite easily. The Slavs arrived in what is today Sarajevo in the 7th century, and that was part of a much larger process of so-called barbarians from points north and east, conquering bits and pieces of the Roman Empire until the Romans simply disappeared from view. What was left of the Romans were their roads their buildings in many cases, and their religion, because Rome as an empire had converted to Catholicism in the 4th century of the Common Era under the great emperor Constantine the Great. So when the Slavs arrived, they settled in a Catholic area, but many of them were or would shortly become Orthodox. So there were basically two different kind of Christians living in the area around Sarajevo when the Ottomans arrived in the 15th century. The date commonly accepted for the founding of modern Sarajevo is 1461. It was founded by the Ottomans, who I think not everybody realizes this, but the Ottomans had been in the Balkans for quite a while. In fact, they had territory in Europe long before they conquered Constantinople, which was not till 1453. One of their earlier capitals was at a place called Edirne, which is the ancient Greek city of Adrianopolis and is today a city right near the point where Bulgaria, Greece, and Turkey come together. Anyway, Turkey fought a major battle against the Serbs at a place called Kosovskopolia, which in English is the Kosovo Field, in 1389. The Serbs were defeated. The Turks made what until that time was their furthest inroads into Europe, and they conquered land that was particularly sacred to the Orthodox Church because of ancient church buildings, monasteries, icons, etc., etc. The day of that defeat was June 29th, 1389. The date of June 29th will come up again in the story of Sarajevo, but it's important to know when talking about the Balkans or really most places outside the U.S., that many people in the world have longer historical memories than Americans do. And events that happened even as far back as 1389 can motivate very strong, dangerous, risky behavior even today. Uh, We'll come back to that date in a minute. I also want to talk about the name Sarajevo. In Turkish, and don't forget that for many centuries... Sarajevo was an Ottoman city. The name is Sarai Bosna. And even today, if you're in an airport in Istanbul looking at the flight departures board, it will flash between the Turkish version, Sarai Bosna, and the international version, which is Sarajevo. Now, what is a Sarai? A Sarai is either a palace or an important building. But there's also a special use of this word in the compound word caravanserai, which is a serai for caravans. And these are buildings that were semi-palatial in the sense that they were built around a big courtyard where riders in caravans could rest and graze and feed their animals at night while they ate dinner and then took baths and slept in rooms. And they were basically way stations on very long trips 
And legend has it, I can't vouch for the truth of this, but legend has it that Sarajevo was the westernmost and northernmost place to which camel caravans traveling the Silk Route from the Far East went. And camels are not found today in Bosnia-Herzegovina except for zoos. But at one point, at least theoretically, this was the northwestern terminus of one of the most important trade routes in modern history. All right, so what about the Jews of Sarajevo? Well, there's not much record of a Jewish community, although there probably was one in Roman times, because every place that was a significant Roman city had a Jewish population. But the bulk of modern Jewry in Sarajevo consists of descendants of refugees from Andalusia, the south of Spain, who arrived very early in the 16th century after their expulsion and were famously welcomed by Sarajevo. It's important to note that, and I don't want to suggest any cause and effect here, but this arrival took place early in the 16th century, let's say the first 20, 25 years of the 16th century. By the end of that century, Sarajevo was one of the cleanest, most highly educated, and intellectually vibrant cities in all of Europe. In 1660, it already had 80,000 people. Contrast that, for example, with the population of Belgrade much later, 1838, only 13,000. Or Zagreb, the capital of Croatia, which in 1851 only had 14,000 people. So Sarajevo was a big and important place. And part of what made it that way was the Jews and the quality of intellectual life and creativity that they brought with them from the south of Spain. During the 16th and 17th centuries, Sarajevo was also the richest city in the Western Balkans after Dubrovnik, which was always head and shoulders above the rest. There are some very typical names of Sephardic families associated with Sarajevo, and I'll, I'll just mention a few in random order. Alkali, Danone, Elazar, and one of the Elazar family became the chief of staff of the Israel Defense Forces, Finci, Papo, and Cabillo. And I have a personal experience to share with you. When I worked for the OSCE in Vienna, a huge international organization, there were people in our headquarters from all over the world. And there was this very nice lady with blonde hair and blue eyes who looked perfectly Austrian, whose first name was Daniela, but her family name was Cabillo. I asked her if she had roots in Sarajevo, and she looked at me in amazement and said, how did you know? So sometimes it's good to know these things. One of the most noteworthy things that you'll see in Sarajevo during a visit is the there's a main walking street that today is mostly pedestrians only. And it's the only street in Europe where you can really walk from old Constantinople to turn of the century Vienna in about 20 minutes. The eastern end of the street has Turkish mosques, Turkish baths, Turkish architecture, and Turkish restaurants and cafes. So any little cafe you go into has kebabs and Turkish coffee and nargila, the water pipes and all that. And as you walk further west, you start to see Catholic churches and Viennese cafes where the food is Viennese coffee and apfelstrudel and cigarettes, but not 
water pipes. It's quite an interesting street, and on the eastern end, there's the old synagogue that was built by the Sephardic Jews in the 16th century, but with major donations from the Ottomans. And it has not been in use for many years. It suffered two bad fires, but it's not, it now serves as a museum of the Jewish history of Sarajevo. And then there's a beautiful mosque complex with a lovely courtyard and a quiet garden. Then there's an old Orthodox church. And as you go further west on the same street, the church has become overwhelmingly Roman Catholic. The other thing you'll notice, well, two more things actually, is in the National Museum of History, there's a special vault that's only open on Tuesdays and Thursdays from 12 noon to 1 p.m. And they very carefully control access to this vault and temperature and humidity because this vault stores what all Sarajevans, whether they're Muslim, Orthodox, Roman Catholic, or Jewish, consider their Mona Lisa, and that is the famous Sarajevo Haggadah. The Sarajevo Haggadah is a illuminated manuscript of a Haggadah, which was made in Spain probably in the 14th century. And when the Jews were expelled from Spain, somebody smuggled this out, and it turned up in Italy in the 16th century, then it disappeared again, and eventually a guy named Joseph Cohen got a hold of it and sold it to the National Museum in Sarajevo in 1894. This book occupies an incredibly important, almost iconic place in the hearts of true Sarajevans. They see it as a symbol of the cosmopolitan, diverse, heterogeneous, tolerant nature of their city. And the only way this book survived the war and the Nazi occupation and several other wars since then was that an Orthodox museum director and a Muslim librarian smuggled it out, hid it in a mosque with the imam in a mountain village far away from Sarajevo, figuring there would be no reason for the Nazis ever to go there. And if they did, the last place they would look for the Sarajevo Haggadah was in a mosque. Anyway, there's a wonderful book about this Sarajevo Haggadah called The People of the Book by an Australian woman named Geraldine Brooks. And one of the things she highlights is how often over a 50-year period, people from several different families, Muslim, Jewish, Orthodox, Catholic, saved each other's lives, hid each other during wartime, protected each other in a way that is very heartwarming and very typical of Sarajevo. The one other thing I would say that you should absolutely not miss when you're in Sarajevo is a small bridge named after Gavrilo Princip. Gavrilo Princip was a Serb who some people see as a freedom fighter or a revolutionary, others see as a terrorist. But in any case, he's the guy who fired the shot that killed the Archduke Franz Ferdinand, who was the heir apparent to the emperor of Austro-Hungary, um, Franz Josef. And ultimately, that assassination led to World War I, which in turn led to World War II and created much of the tragedy of the 20th century. On what date did this assassination take place? Not by coincidence, June 29th, 1914. Almost exactly 500 years to the day, from the defeat of the Serbs by the Turks at the Battle of Kosovskopolje. 
Thank you for listening, and I look forward to our next session.